like, oh, it's going to be so bad. Everything's going to be bad. And we're pumped through the media and news that everything's going to be bad. And I just want to be like, surely goodness and mercy will follow us all the days of our lives. And it doesn't mean that bad things won't happen. It means that when bad things do happen, the presence of God is still vigorous and rigorous in our lives because Jesus said, I'll never leave you nor forsake you. When the stuff hits the fan in your life, how do you deal with it? How do you feel? Do you feel like you've got to figure it out yourself? Do you rely on your own smarts and wisdom? If so, Pastor Daniel is going to tell you that you're doing it all wrong. The God of the Bible has another plan and can give you not just better help, but the perfect help that you need. You'll learn that because God knows the future, He also knows the best way through for you. All you have to do is ask Him. Now here's Pastor Daniel in Psalms chapter 23 as he begins his message, Finding Home. So for each one of us, no matter where we find ourselves on life's journey, we have memories of our childhood. There's certain things that we just remember as kids and no matter how beautiful or challenging your childhood was, there's something that is so personal about those feelings of home. I grew up in New Jersey, my home state, as an all-Italian kid, and so all of my childhood memories involve a lot of people and a lot of food. So it's like breakfast, dinner. There was always a large table with a lot of people, and... It was very loud, you know, um, us Northeasterners are not known for our calmness. People talk with their mouth full, because why would you want to stop talking or eating, you know? (laughs) And anytime I think of my childhood home, I have memories of a lot of love and a lot of people and tremendous food. And I realized that if we were to go around the sanctuary, if we were to get everybody who's online and say, tell me a memory from your childhood, you're going to have some memory. Even in the most, and I realize some of you have had horrific childhoods, like horrible things went on. But there are still some beautiful memories. And what's amazing is, is as we move through life, we're all trying to find home again as we move through life. I mean, you think about the idea of marriage in the Bible where it says how a man will leave his father and mother and he will cleave or cling to his wife and the two will become one flesh. And the idea is that you leave from your family of origin. In marriage, you make a new family and then you establish that. So, so much of life as we grow older is seeking to regain or find in a new way home. And along the way, we try all sorts of things to get us there, don't we? Many of us have tried to find home at work. How's that working out for you? Yeah. You know, uh, different friend groups at different times. But one of the things that I have find myself appreciating it more and more as I get older is the fact that God's will for us is always to find home 
in his forever family, not just the temporary relationships that we get to have. And I think so much of life for all of us is grabbing hold of the perspective of what it means to be part of God's family. And how do we live that out day in, day out, week in and week out in a world that's got all sorts of issues in it? So as we've been journeying through Psalm 23, we've been looking at that, the ups and downs of life, kind of the wild nature of life. And it's been fun because if you've been traveling with us through Psalm 23, We've been going pretty slow, right? We've been taking about a verse, a message. And I was talking to someone about that. They're like, you know, Pastor Daniel, so like, what's up with the verse, a message? And I always like to say that if you've ever traveled, there's lots of ways to travel. Like, so if I wanted to travel from here where we live in the Northwest back to my home state, I can take a plane. I can fly at 30,000 feet and I can see things. And when you go quickly, I mean, I can get there in five or six hours, depending on headwinds and how kamikaze the pilots are you know, jet streams and such. But when you're traveling at 30,000 feet, everything looks one way. But if I wanted to go a little slower, maybe I could take a little prop plane or a Cessna. One time I actually got to fly one of those little planes. That was horrifying. They shouldn't let anyone else in the sky. I was freaked out. You guys and gals who are pilots, God bless you. You guys are nuts. I was horrified. But again, if you're not traveling at 30,000 feet, but you're traveling over something at 10,000 feet, it looks much different. Then, of course, you can get in a car. I've driven across the country four times, coast to coast. Depending on how many hours you drive, I've done it in anywhere between four days when I was really bombing it to many weeks as I traveled all around. And you go slower, but you're in a car, so you're still traveling on highways. Then I talked to somebody recently who biked across the country. Psycho. (laughs) I super respect it, though. But the communities look differently when you're on a bicycle. And then Forrest Gump ran for a while. Run, Forrest! And if, you know, if you ran across the country, you're looking, and imagine if you just kind of strolled across the country. So each way, you're seeing the same places, but you're seeing them from different vantage points. And I wanted us to be able to take a leisurely walk through Psalm 23. Because, you know, if you're walking through a neighborhood, you can stop and you can admire the buildings and you see all different things where if you're driving by, you just, you know, you catch what you catch when you do it. And so I wanted us to be able to walk kind of gingerly through Psalm 23. So today we'll be taking the last single verse. So if you could open your Bibles to Psalm 23, Psalm 23. At this point, some of your Bibles, you just open it and they just open to Psalm 23, right? Like, it's like we've been in it for long enough. We've been loving reading this Psalm together. Go ahead. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in the paths of righteousness For his namesake, yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup runs over. 
Surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. So we're going to zero in today on the very last verse of this psalm, Psalm 23, verse 6, where David says, surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. So the first thing we learn here, and this is so This has blessed me so much as I've been studying it and reflecting upon it and seeking the Lord on it, is really what we learn first is that God's presence is vigorous. And I get this from, surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. That first word, surely, without a doubt, David is confident that God's presence is going to continue with him. And I use the word vigorous because vigorous literally means in a strong, forceful, a way that is kind of full of energy. Because David is saying, no matter what, God's presence, which is exemplified by God's goodness and his mercy, it's going to follow me. Now that word follow in the Hebrew does not mean it's kind of God's goodness and mercy is kind of lagging behind us. But it really means that God's goodness is pursuing us for the totality of our lives. Now, I think this is so important because we all live today. Can I get an amen? So we're all living in the world that we're living in. And if there's one or a few characteristics of the world we live in today, I would use qualities like we live in a combative society, a divisive society. We live in a society that's full of uh, resentment and cynicism. Now, I'm here to tell you, none of those adjectives are good things. And none of those things are the quality of God's kingdom, but it's very much of the day and age in which we live. People don't know how to talk to each other. People don't know how to disagree in a way that isn't angry. People do not know how to look for the best in people let alone assume people's best intentions. And by and large, people are resentful of life. And all of these qualities are soul damaging because we end up looking at everybody through the lens of, well, they're just a bad person. They're just horrible. Of course, the Bible says there is none good, no, not one. But what that way of looking at the world does is it is devoid of hope. It's devoid of this reality. Hope does not say everything is going to work out how I want it to. Hope says no matter how everything works out, I know that goodness and mercy is going to follow me all the days of my life. Now, what's amazing, we don't know when David wrote this psalm. You almost are bound to think, oh, David wrote Psalm 23 when he was young. Because he was vibrant. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. God makes me lie down. He restores my soul. Surely goodness and mercy will follow me. Like David is just young and vibrant. He's full of faith and naivety. And David wrote all this before he lost his firstborn son with Bathsheba, before his son Absalom rebelled against him, before he went to a million wars and he was pursued by his father-in-law, King Saul, and all these different things. 
But we don't know when David wrote it, but what David is saying is he is confident that the presence of God will be with him no matter what. And that reality changes everything for us. Brothers and sisters, listen. Do you look forward with hope and expectancy or do you look forward with dread and fear? I think for many of us, we need to claim this. We need to take this verse and we need to tattoo it on our hearts. We need to get heart tattoos. Because what's going on right now is because we live in a cynical and a negative and a resentful world, the body of Christ is grabbing hold of this. And it happens so often. We studied the book of Revelation together. We saw Jesus all over the pages. But some people, they look forward and like, oh, it's going to be so bad. Everything's going to be bad. And we're pumped through the media and news that everything's going to be bad. And I just want to be like, surely goodness and mercy will follow us all the days of our lives. And it doesn't mean that bad things won't happen. It means that when bad things do happen, the presence of God is still vigorous and rigorous in our lives because Jesus said, I'll never leave you nor forsake you. Jesus said, and lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the age. And when we place our feet on the rock that is Christ, for those of us who have put our faith in Jesus, we begin to realize that the future is pregnant with divine potential. The future is not something to be feared, but something to be, I know that when I get there, the one who holds my future in his hands will still be working. I love that David calls the presence of God goodness and mercy. See, I didn't grow up in a Christian home, so there was a cultural version of Christianity that I was raised in, but there was no relationship. There was no like, man, God is good. God's going to do good work. It's just like, man, just don't get in trouble. You know, that was kind of what I was raised with. But when I think back to when I didn't know the Lord, there was that part of me that thought, man, God, God's not good. And when I came to know Jesus, I'm like, how could I ever believe the lie that God isn't good? But what I realized as I reflected on it more, because I realized some of you think that, like, how could God be good? And what you realize is that God being good does not mean that only good things happen because God lets all of us make choices. Don't get me wrong. Sometimes I'm like, I wish God just wouldn't let any of us make choices and nobody would be hurting and everything would be wonderful. And that's true. But then we wouldn't be human. So what you realize is God's goodness is the fact that all that God does is good to the core. And God's mercy is the Hebrew word hesed, which literally means God's faithfulness to his covenant with his people. That God has made promises and God is going to have covenant faithfulness with us. The picture, of course, when you think of a covenant faithfulness is a faithful spouse, Somebody who's committed their life to someone else and is being faithful to do that. Listen to how the Apostle Paul speaks of God's goodness and mercy. This is Ephesians chapter 4, verses 4 to 6. It says, But God, who is rich in mercy, 
Because of his great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in trespasses, he made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved and raised us up together and made us sit together in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. See, because God is rich in mercy, because of his great love and his goodness, although we were Blind, he gave us sight. Although we were dead in our trespasses and sin through the death and resurrection of Jesus and by the power of the Spirit, he made us alive together with Christ. If you're here today and you say, I am a Christian, I am born again, I am a child of God, you were dead and because of God's rich mercy, he made you alive together. He raised us up to life. And the beauty of the Christian faith is not like, well, dude, I raised myself up. No, you didn't. Don't get me wrong. You responded to his grace, but he did all of the effectual work. And it's because of his goodness and his mercy. I think of what it says in Psalm 136, verse 1. It says, oh, give thanks to the Lord, for he is good, for his mercy endures forever. It says, we should praise God. We should give thanks to God because God is what? He's good. And God's mercy endures forever. I believe that there are many of us that we need to start remembering that God's presence is vigorous in our lives. God's presence is vigorous when we get a diagnosis we don't want. God's presence is vigorous when we lose the job we had or we don't get the promotion we hoped for. God's presence is vigorous when we grieve losses. And God's presence is vigorous when everybody abandons us. I always think of Paul and Silas in the book of Acts in a Philippian jail praising God. And I think to myself, how's that possible? Because if there's no doubt that goodness and mercy follows us all the days of our lives, and if we're in stocks in a prison, there's a reason to praise. And I believe that for all of us, because of the cultural malaise in which we live in today, because of the spirit of the age, whatever the words we use for where we're living, I believe that followers of Jesus who are filled with hope, knowing that God's presence is vigorous, even in the issues. Talk about being salt and light. Talk about being a city that is set on a hill that cannot be hidden. And it's not burying our heads in the sand to the issues of the world. It's just remembering that he who is in us is what? Greater than he who is in the world. I want you to just take your pen. And I want you to underline verse six in your neighbor's Bible. Go ahead, just circle it for him. Circle it, just, just, just go in there, just like highlight that thing. Just, just, just slide in there and just be like, there it is. God's presence is vigorous. Surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life. And I want to encourage you, if you're in one of those seasons, and listen, we all are. No, no, I like to say, no one here is perfect, except for Jesus. All the rest of us is growing at best. But if you're one of those people who's struggling to 
stay hopeful in the journey. If there's the stuff that's going on, it's hard. After service, tell someone, say, listen, man, I really need to work on that hope-filled mindset. I need to remember that God's goodness and mercy is pursuing me all the days of my life. Now, speaking of that, don't miss this. Notice it says, all the days of my life, this is going to happen. And then by the end, it says, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord for how long? Forever. What does this teach us? It teaches us that God's promises are eternal. It's so simple. And if you've been in church for even a minute, you've heard about eternal and eternity and ages upon ages without end. The word forever means for the length of days or to the end of days. But the reality is, is the promise of God for us in Christ Jesus is not just goodness and mercy all the days of our lives live, but all the days of days of days, all of eternity. And we have to remember that in all of the urgency of the present, there always needs to be decisions that are made for the future. Listen, as I've gotten older, this has become more important to me. Because when I was young, I was your classic young person, which means that all I wanted to do was the next thing that seemed fun. And I remember I studied psychology in college. Don't hold it against me. I was just trying to figure out how I got like this. But I remember like hearing the studies about delayed gratification. They did all these studies with little kids and they said, listen, here's a cookie and you can eat it. But if you don't eat it for 10 minutes, we'll give you two cookies. And what they found is when they followed these kids, the kids who ate the first cookie versus the kids who waited the 10 minutes to get the two cookies, the kids who practiced delayed gratification were happier and healthier and all these different things like 20 years later. And what I realized is that part of maturing, and everyone's just looking away right now. You're like, I don't want to talk about this, Fusco. I get it. Welcome to church. We're going to talk about things we don't want to talk about. Part of maturing is realizing that sometimes you need to make decisions now that your future self will thank you for. And neglecting the future version of you is pretty unwise, So this happens in every single area of our lives where like for the child of God, there are things that we may want to do that we choose not to do because we know that if I do those things, then the outcome means I'm going to feel separated from God, even though he's always with me. I'm going to numb myself to God's presence, which I really want God's presence. And I really do want to grow because when I grow and I have a robust faith, then I'm happy. And life has meaning and purpose. I live differently, wholeheartedly. So I'm going to choose to read my Bible instead of doom scroll this morning. I'm going to choose to pray rather than just run into the day. And really what you're doing is you're giving your future self the gift of the deposit you made in the present. Jesus is If you didn't know it before, Pastor Daniel shared that God put in everyone a desire to find their way home, ultimately to him. And with that comes a desire for a family. People try to find families in all kinds of ways and through different groupings. Some work out, some don't. But you learned today that the truest family is the one where God is the father. You have brothers and sisters who are trying to love you the way God loves you. Hey everyone, there's a lot happening in the world and it can keep you pretty busy. 
but I want to encourage you to take some time and devote it to your spiritual growth. I know God wants to do something in your life, and I'm excited for you to discover exactly what that is. Come join me for a worship service at Crossroads Community Church Online so I can share the Bible with you. Join me online at crossroadschurch.net or find me on Facebook Live. We're so glad we can be a part of your life through the ministry of Jesus is Real Radio. Would you like to be a part of what we're doing? We would like to ask that you prayerfully consider becoming a financial partner of this program. Your contribution, no matter the size, will be used to reach people with the gospel message. Find out more at JesusIsRealRadio.com. Thank you for partnering with us. Next time on Jesus is Real Radio, Pastor Daniel will wrap up this teaching, Finding Home. He'll talk about the importance of looking at people the way God wants you to. That yes, all people are bad on some level, even you, but loving them the way God does will cause you to be more hopeful about life and about people. You'll be reminded that God's got a place prepared for all his children to gather together forever. You've been listening to Jesus is Real Radio with Pastor Daniel Fusco of Crossroads Community Church. Pastor Daniel will continue teaching through this series called Wild. Next time, until then, may God bless.